It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I'll be bringing my guest on momentarily, and I promise we're going to have a lot of fun. And if you do listen to this show regularly, you know that I usually take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I do this every week. So I had the opportunity to interview Tom Ziegler twice on the show, and both of those episodes were absolutely amazing. One question I asked him was, what is the greatest success habit that has impacted your life? And his answer was that he is always aware of what input he allows into his mind. You can't expect greatness to flow from you if you don't allow greatness to flow into you. For me, I like to read and listen to positive books and audios. Essentially, I evaluate what will help my life and career, and I try to minimize my exposure to the news and other sources of constant negativity. If you listen to negativity long enough, you will eventually believe that it's true. But if you listen to positive messages long enough, you will also believe those as well. Just ask yourself, what are you allowing into your life? It affects you more than you think it does. With all this in mind, I want to introduce my guest. And before I do, if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do that. Leave a five-star review. I would be more than honored if you would do that for us. So my guest is Tom Lavecchia. Let me tell you about him. He has an MBA, and he is a digital marketing strategist, author, influencer, and founder of X Factor Media and New Theory Magazine. He started out his career in sales and quickly became a top performer in his industry. He was awarded with over 10 national sales awards in his 15-year sales career. When his outstanding corporate career was suddenly disrupted, he found himself jobless and not sure what to do. He wrote a book, The X-Factor Selling System, that quickly became a bestseller. He then founded X-Factor Media and has been helping others increase their reach through his marketing agency. He has also been inducted as a prestigious member of the Forbes Agency Council. We have so much to unwrap and unravel today. So here we are with my very special guest, Tom Lavecchia. Tom, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm well, thank you. Uh, thanks, Brian, for having me, and it's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So the first question I'd like to open with is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are today? Yes and no. So I started out in corporate, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and I really thought I was going to retire there. I literally made it to my 15-year watch, and you know, I, I'm a, no, a little older a little more versus many of the millennials. And uh, I thought I was going to be buried in the uh, company secret, uh, cemetery like everybody else at that uh, generation, if you will. So I um, I did the corporate thing for a while and uh, literally was disrupted overnight through a merger. And uh, I said to myself, I said, you know what? I would love to start my own business. Um, I always wanted to. Uh, my hand was forced um, and it's been 11 years ago and I haven't looked back. So a corporate merger ended your time at your corporate uh gig essentially yeah so i made it to management and uh it was getting uh, i was getting bought out uh mm. so sh- you know, sh- shortly around the merger time uh, i was separated from the company and and one of the challenges i have or had is and it's really interesting because at the time 
I made my job, my identity was my everything. I was very well compensated. So mm -hmm. I literally made it my life and my job. So when I was separated, I lost my identity. I lost everything at that point, not just income, but who I was and uh, kind of like my standing in the business and even social community. So it was uh, devastating to me at the time. That can be really, really hard because I think men in particular associate who they are with what they do in life. And when that gets ripped away from you, it can be really devastating. So how did you deal with that? You said, you, is that when you started your company? I did. So I, I, I had the book. I just kind of knew I wanted to start the book. So I had kind of the outline. Mm -hmm. So it forced me to write the book. Um, at the time, in retrospect, mm -hmm. and many of us do in that situation, um, even though I was okay, like somewhat financially, I took a job and, and, and made some moves uh, defensively rather than offensively. So in retrospect, mm -hmm. I probably punted about a year or two uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, while working um, uh, to start my company, my dream. I mm -hmm. did take kind of like a, a job that was I was underemployed, if you will. But I remember yeah. I was there for like about eight months. I was having lunch with the CEO at Lavo and NYC. And really great guy. We got along really well, but my engagement wasn't there. You know, you yeah. can tell a guy like guy like us, salespeople, alpha personality. If we're not engaged, you can tell. So about eight months into the job, he goes, this isn't really happening, isn't it? I'm like, no. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm starting my own firm and I've been kind of doing it on the side. And I guess it's starting to grow. And we just kind of part of just such a professional, honest conversation. I resigned that day, went in full time. I had two young kids at the time, which was really scary. Um, no income. Uh, at that point, and uh, it worked out. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that worked out for you for sure. So that being said, what do you feel is your big mission now? Because I'm sure that mission statement has evolved for you over time. Where does that sit now? That's a great question, Brian. So I started out again about 11 years ago, and believe it or not, uh, you know I know sales cures all, and there's a lot mm -hmm. of kind of um, great you know more Cuban quotes you get attached to that and around sales. Uh, but what happened was the third year into it, I grew too fast, too quick. I grew 50% um, with this one large customer, one large sale. I did not have the systems in place, the, the, the processes in place. I had the wrong people on the bus. So it pretty much almost wiped me out. So my fourth year in business, not only did I almost get wiped out, but it probably took about three or four years to recover. So over 11 years, I almost busted out once or twice. So I found a good junior partner about three years ago, right before the pandemic. And uh, now uh, our challenge is scaling. So uh, although um, I'm not complaining, so I'm not going to complain about scaling and growing quickly, um, but for a mature company, we decided to scale. We put, again, put the right process and people in place. And now we're scaling. But that's the other part. Scaling is not easy. Um, I'm working probably the most I ever have. The money's there, top line. Uh, the bottom line, not so much because we're, we're, we're starting to grow over profit. But that's the other thing for your listeners is, you know, you decide to scale. Don't listen to anybody. If you get a big sale, great. If something externally happens, great. If something internally happens, great. But you should decide to scale. When you do decide to scale, just make sure you have the processes in place. Right now, we're going through some growing pains because uh, we're growing again quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm excited that I'd rather be growing quickly than uh declining quickly, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I would imagine when you're growing that fast, it's hard to know when to write your SOPs, your standard operating procedures, because before you need them, you aren't really sure what those procedures are going to look like, right? 
Yeah, so I pride myself in running a very lean company. I, I actually was, it was a source of pride not having SOPs. It was a source of pride, you know, why have an editorial calendar when you could be writing? Why have the social media calendar when you could be posting? But now mm -hmm. I'm talking, I was actually a long discussion today with my uh, junior partner about, you know, his concern is I want to pull the car over without compromising, wasting too much time to make it good in the long run. But he's even scared on the day-to-day -day operation level that it's scary. It's like, you know, we're controlling people sometimes. And we want we feel like we can do something ourselves quicker than we can show you. So we got to get over that. We got to learn to delegate and then, then grow. Yeah, for sure. So what is the best action that you wish you would have taken? Great question. I guess I was, you know, I... I was in corporate for such a long time and you know these people were very well compensated who i worked with you're talking you know 250 to 350 a year so it was around like really good strong professionals and not that salary is associated with uh professionalism and talent however mm -hmm. um the higher paying jobs and sales jobs you tend to get you know a certain archetype right uh, alpha personality alpha female or male um type you, you know wants to win if you have variable compensation, they want to hit, you know, president's circle and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so, but when I got into, you know, entrepreneur life where I wasn't able to offer as much um, and, you know, I wasn't able to offer 250,000 a year, I, I assumed kind of like the same level of professionalism and talent from the people I was paying 40,000 a year. And I just, didn't, I just, I should have maybe uh, level set or at least should have uh, adjusted my expectations and made sure they were saying, hey, you know what? This person's not making 250. They don't want to talk to me on a Saturday. Yeah. You know? So so I just wish I maybe managed through the transition better. And because again, I kind of went in there very naively. I had an MBA, I had you know, 20 years corporate experience, but mm -hmm. you know, you have a plan for your punch in the face. So in retrospect, I just wish I really looked at, you know, the people I was working with and not afford them so much professionalism now i have the right people on the bus and i do do that but they earned it so you got to kind of earn um your 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 um your kind of way and then the other part is i'm kind of a hands-off manager i believe in getting the right people on the bus give them the resource and get the hell out of their way mm -hmm. sometimes you need to um you need to inspect what is that inspect what you uh what you expect and mm -hmm. i should that what one quick antidote was if you know if uh if i came home one night and and i love my beautiful wife but if i came home one night and i had you know um lipstick on my collar and and i smelled like perfume and i you know came home and laid next to her for five minutes before i jumped in the shower and then went back to bed would she just sit quietly and let that go and maybe deal with it another time or would she address it right now i sure as heck would if his vice versa i know she would address it right there and i would also address that same thing same thing goes with our business problems. We see the lipstick, we see the cologne, we see that something's not right. And we tend to honestly, Brian, you know, you probably know as much as me, you tend to kind of kick the can. So yeah. uh, I, I now, if I see the lipstick, I address it head on. Yeah. And something that you alluded to a little bit earlier, but didn't expressly say, it's really hard when you expect you from other people. It doesn't Correct. end well. Correct. Yeah, I love that. We've got less than two minutes to our first break. What is the highest value skill that anyone can develop? Right now, it's being uh, kind of like utility player right now. 
Like, so for example, if I'm doing social media, maybe learn some light editing. Uh, if I'm doing content writing, maybe adopt AI, chat GPT to increase your output. So I really think it's adaptability in your job role, but maybe even work uh, vertically uh, and horizontally if you need to, to fulfill your job role. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. What do you think is the most expensive mistake you've ever made? It can be financial. It doesn't have to be. It could be something that you held on to way too long or something that you didn't do soon enough. We got about a minute. Easy one. Trusting the wrong people. Oh, yes. I love that. Do you have a specific example real quick? Yeah. So I, I won, won that big contract. I allocated the resources. I gave them the resources, had them run with it. And then retrospect, when I had access to their email, a couple of emails, I saw they were plotting behind my back to take over the company. So just just trusting the wrong people um, oh. uh, just really kind of hurts. And they don't they don't realize that you worked hard to get there. Dinner's out, uh, uh, working hard, uh, financial investment, and they just kind of show up and think it's easy, but it's not. No, it certainly isn't. And we are coming up against our very first break. My special guest this week is Tom Lavecchia, and we're going to talk about marketing and digital marketing, press releases. We're going to talk about all kinds of things and we're going to talk about his company. And we'll also talk about his book, The X Factor Selling System, when we come back. And please stick around. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will return after the break. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. According to a Gallup poll, 56% of Americans want to lose weight. Most of us know that muscle burns more calories than fat. So when you're trying to lose weight, you want to lose body fat while preserving the muscle you have. Lifting weights while you're losing weight is not an option, it's a requirement. According to a Penn State study, when dieters don't pump iron, 22% of their weight loss comes from losing muscle. So if you lose 20 pounds without lifting weights, Almost five pounds will be muscle. Upping your protein intake is important, and Columbia University researchers found that protein intake plays a significant role in preserving lean muscle mass during weight loss. Preserve your muscle as you drop the body fat. I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian.
mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Tom Levecchia. And if you have not picked up my latest book, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 3. You can pick up all three volumes on Amazon. And the next book will be coming out in just a few weeks. And I can't wait to reveal what that title is going to be shortly. So pick that up on Amazon. Pick up any of my books on Amazon. I'd be very highly honored if you could also leave a review, a five-star review, if you think it deserves it. So Tom, let me ask you first, you've built your whole brand around the idea of the X factor. What is the X factor and how do you find that? It's a great question and includes a pivot, which I'll explain. So I wrote the book X Factor Selling System because I was a fairly, you know, fairly successful sales rep. I was very fortunate to do well. But then when I became a sales leader, I led three different teams in a row. And I noticed, you know, in the small smaller end of sales, my top one or two reps, let's say we're making 130,000, then maybe my bottom rep was making 65. When I dealt with higher end sales, the top reps were making three to four hundred thousand, where the bottom rep was maybe making a hundred. So I realized I said, wow, $300,000 a year difference, that's substantial material. So I kind of teased out what I was doing. I teased out what my mid-level top reps were doing in the $130,000 space. And then those that were making three to 400000 a year, I teased out. And I found certain commonalities that put the uh, customer first and morphed into their motivations. We call it the 4P process. It's a little bit of marketing, but a little different. Uh, the 4Ps are product, people, uh, price. Uh, sorry, people, product, process, and price. Sorry, uh, Brian. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, what happens is people generally make decisions off of one of those four. They're kind of wired a certain way. And the reason why it's X factor is people's P may change. So somebody who's like product centric, likes brands, likes to hear the best. Somebody who's process centric, likes to hear what, you know, like kind of like go to the post office, do this first, that first. Somebody's people-centric like relationships, and the minority of them is price, which is uh, the P, which is price. Uh, so you got to kind of morph your sales efforts and your energy towards their P, uh, mm-hmm. motivate them that way, and that's how you close for the sale. Yeah, and it's so interesting, those four Ps, because with people, some people prefer that you build the rapport first, you know, yeah. metaphorically speaking, and, and offer me a drink first before you yeah. try and hit the home run. Yeah. And other people think, well, don't waste my time. I just want to know what I want to know and just tell me, tell me, tell me now. My time is short. Right. So it's very interesting. So how do you figure out which P your customer actually is? Is it just a series of questions? Is it trial and error? Is it just getting to into the meat of the conversation, just figuring out on the fly? How do you figure that out? Well, the crust of the book is when you open up a sales call, number one, you should have your stated intent. They know why you're there. You know why you're there. It's okay to articulate. Hey, Brian, uh, great to meet with you today. I saw that you have a fantastic podcast. Um, you know, we're together here today. We want to present our podcasting marketing package because we want to at least three extra show. But before we jump in, I like to ask a few questions if that's okay. So not only say, hey, let me ask some questions so I can deep dive, but you're also asking for permission and being polite. Now, aside from the questions that you ask, you also got to look up for social cues. What kind of car are they driving? What kind of watch do they have? What kind of glasses do they have? Are they neat? Are they tidy? Are they uh, more messy and sloppy? Are they um, you know, what was the last, you know, again, last restaurant they went to. Oh, I went to this restaurant in New York City. It was called Vandal. And Kim Kardashian ate there last week. 
Well, that's more than likely they're product centric. You're going to want to use the words best. You're going to want to use premier and you're going to want to use high end terms. Or if they're like, oh my God, I went to, um, went to Kohl's to return something and I had to wait in line. And when I went in line, the person didn't know to have the right label and the right label, blah, blah, like they're kind of process centric. Cause if you're process centric and smoothly, you're happy. But if you're process centric and it doesn't run smoothly, you tend to shut down. People centric is they start asking their personal questions. Hey, Tom, I, I'm happy you're here. Before we jump in, how many kids do you have? I noticed you, uh, I noticed you mentioned your kids last time we're here. Oh, I got four. Oh, you know, want to get to know you. So maybe spend more time knowing about them or sharing information about you. Some people just bottom liners. Hey, if, if it's price that motivates you and nothing else, um, let's talk about that. But before I do, let's qualify because price only works about 15% of the time. So you really just got to kind of be in tune uh, physically and look around you, but also ask questions to see what's important to them. It's not that people lie per se, but mm-hmm. they tend to say one thing and do another. So you have to look at people's actions yeah. versus what they say, marry them up. And then with your questions, as you motivate your your P, you may have different type of clothes based off that P. Yeah. And I think a mistake that a lot of salespeople make is they think that price is the dominant driver in a customer decision. And that is not true. Like you said, it's only true 15% of the time. It blows my mind when I hear salespeople automatically want to drop the price as soon as they hear it of ejection. They didn't say that price was their problem. Correct. What happens is we lower our price because they don't see the value. Yeah. It's really important, as you know, Brian, to credential your product or service. So whenever you have a scope of work or agreement or presentation, and they either reject it or not interested because they say they feel it's too expensive. My first question is, oh, you feel you're too expensive compared to what? Mm-hmm. And then they kind of think and say, well, your competitors. Okay, well, I'm happy to look. If you want, we can look at their contract and our contract because there might be things that we're offering that they're not, right? Install value. Our expertise is different than theirs. And I, I always say there is the price, Brian, and then there's a cost. The mm-hmm. price is what they pay, but the cost is what they bear. So they onboard a company that's not as experienced, that didn't have experience during a downturn, that didn't get hacked, that didn't, um, you know, on weekends you can't reach them because they have, you know, an account executive and, and, and you know, the principal is not available because you're dealing with a large firm, not a boutique firm. So, so really kind of look at, you know, what is your price grade? But what is your cost? What is your cost going to be? You know better than I do, Brian, or probably at least as well as I do, that when you make the wrong vendor decision, regardless of its price or not, the cost far exceeds what the actual tangible price is. Yeah. And when you are making a decision on behalf of your company, if you get the decision wrong, they could get fired. That's correct. So, so they got some skin in the game on the vendor that they choose. Um, we, as a marketing firm, tend to deal with SMBs, small business businesses, mm. small size businesses. So generally, which makes it harder, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Generally, the person who is hiring us is a person footing the bill. So it's really tenuous that you have to perform. Yeah, for sure. So if someone is influenced by brand loyalty, that can be a good thing, right? It can be just as long as if you're that brand, you know how to maintain. Mm-hmm. And then if you try to get them away from that brand, uh, recognize that they're probably people-centric and loyal, which is a good thing because it mm-hmm. means if you get them. And once you get them, they'll probably hang out with you for a while as well. 
Yeah. And if your brand isn't the one that someone is loyal to yet, how do you get around that with a customer? Well, you got to first find out, you know, why they're loyal. Or do they like, like, so for example, I remember somebody was very product centric and they kept mentioning, oh my God, uh, having a problem with my URL. And we, I, I call GoDaddy and I get the, some, you know, somebody picks up right away because I'm GoDaddy plus and blah, blah, blah. And now you're like, wow, this person status matters. And all this other kind of stuff matters, not necessarily price. So generally, like what we say, at least in our, our situation is we're plug and play. So we have different services that, you know, SEO is a tough game. Um, you, it takes a while to win, you know, an SEO contract away from another company. But once you win, they kind of stay with you for a while. So what we do is we'll call offer paid media, we'll offer PR, you know, again, like you said, billboards, whatever that is, right? So we'll come to them and say, oh, wait a second. You don't have to leave your company. You could stay with them. If anything, they'll be happy to one board. We're plug and play. We're happy to work with them. We notice you're doing, you know, earned media and doing uh, organic SEO. But what are you doing in terms of ads? Well, we're not doing much. Well, you're losing about 20% of the market on the table. Why don't we start with a test campaign, a beta campaign, to see what it's like to work with us, let us do some results. And then over time, when they see our organization next to their organization, they see we work better, they slowly migrate over to us. Yeah. So before someone has that sales conversation, they have to be contacted. Sometimes I know that you work with customers to create an inbound lead, and sometimes you're working with people to create outbound outreach. And so let's talk about outbound outreach. What is the best way to reach out to a potential customer? Is it the phone? Is it email? Is it paid ads? A combination of all of them. It depends on who they are, I guess. Yeah. So outbound uh, right now, the best is still email. If you call somebody on the fly randomly, um, you know, they're going to say email me. Uh, if you uh, text them randomly, you know, where'd you get my number? Where'd you get my mm-hmm. number from? Um, you know, LinkedIn may work or DMing them on, uh, social platforms is probably number two, but I think email to this day is number one. Um, and then, um, on outbound, you have to look for lookalikes. So if you're in, so I have one magazine, New Jersey Digest, and I'll look at other magazines or other billboards or other stuff that people are doing. If they're spending money on advertising in Jersey, they're more than likely going to be willing to spend with us. And we know we can do it better. So look to where they're spending money in your basket. And if it's something that, you know, you're part of a group or part of a network, it's just easier to win wallet share than to actually get them to have a new spend. So what I look at is where what basket are they in? And then I look to take wallet share via cold call, via email. Absolutely. And for inbound leads, which way, which ways do you like best in terms of paid ads? Do you like social media? Do you like traditional media? What, what is your preference? So we, we, it depends. So for um, uh, our magazine, we have a very large email list. And generally, if you're on the email list, you're somewhat of a fan of the content. So we just literally installed a simple Form, and I could send it to you to send your audience simple form to sign up for advertising. So we probably get about two to four a week of those. And those inbound leads are generally warm leads that we close at about 75% close rate. And what we do there is when Brian sends in a lead, hey, Brian, got your lead. Uh, I'll give you a call. Uh, when I call you, I'll probably get your voicemail. Say, hey, Brian, I'll show you a quick text over text. Hey, Brian, it's Tom Levesque. You're from New Jersey Digest. Love to connect with you. Um, 
shoot me back a text. I'll also email you real quick our media kit. So I kind of like try one channel and then tell you I'm going to let you re- reach out via another. So it's not like so creepy or overbearing. At least I kind of said it. And then you'll respond in the channel of your choice. Yeah, for sure. All right. We are coming up against our next break, and this is going really fast. We're talking with Tom Levecchia about the four P's, people, process, product, and price. Those are the things that we need to look out for in a selling situation because one of those things is probably dominant in terms of what the customer believes is important to him or her. We will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. We will be right back. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.brienkwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brienkwright.com. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Tom Levecchia, and we're talking about marketing. And uh, I can't believe how quickly this show is going. So we talked about sales for a while in the last segment. You provide sales training for your clients, correct? We do. So we, we generally do it as a value add or current clients versus just offering sales training because we want to be able to control the funnel and get qualified leads or phone calls via qualified leads. Uh, uh, and then from there, work with them to have a good inbound program in place. Yeah, for sure. So when you work with clients, what can they expect? To, to know how to answer the phone and it has to be scripted. Ooh, let's talk about scripting because I would imagine that some clients have no idea what their script could should look like because they're used to winging it or they're thinking, I'm just wanting to have an organic conversation. Uh, no. Correct. So answer one. Hello, uh, uh, Brian Wright's uh, Marketing Center. Uh, you know, what's going on? Or hello. And then you're like, somebody calls, well, how much, you know, for your SEO package I sold online, right? Versus. 
Hi, thank you for calling Brian Wright's Marketing Agency. My name is Tom. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? Yes. So now all of a sudden I get your name, I control the conversation, I start mm -hmm. funneling towards your needs and work to get them on a straight line to either an appointment or transfer them to the appropriate party. Absolutely. So do you help them figure out how to structure not just the sale, but in term, but structuring their entire process? I mean, how deep do you go? Dep depends on the scope of work. Uh, but if you're like a, a premier client, again, product-based, uh, we'll do the A to Z. We call it the ABC. Our job as marketers is to get the phone to ring or mm -hmm. get you email, or if you're using a chat bot, they have a conversation. So we call that the A. The B is an appointment for whatever that is or inbound retail. Uh, and that's their job to close and uh, get them to see, which is spend. Uh, and then that's when they become clients or customers. And then we do have some control over the C in terms of average order value. That shows you how well or how good our customers are they come in. Because obviously a higher AOV shows we're getting better customers that want to spend more versus a layer, lower ARV, we may be off on our targeting. So we're definitely 100% responsible for the A, which is the uh, calls or emails. B, uh, we're somewhat responsible because they got to close them. But C, we're kind of tangentially responsible for how much they spend because we want to market to the right people. Absolutely. What do you think are the most important metrics that someone should be tra tracking in the sales process? Customer acquisition cost is probably the first. Uh, how much does it cost me to acquire a client? And then how much does it cost for me to keep a client? And then lastly, lifetime value. Those are all really important. And I think a lot of people, especially people not in management, have no concept of a customer's lifetime value because they just look at one-off transactions because I made the sale, I make my money, but they don't take into account or perhaps they're not rewarded for customer longevity. They're just rewarded for the one-off sale. So that would be maybe something a client company should look at if they want to retain their customers, right? Yep. I remember a time there's a local Italian restaurant that um, a friend of mine patronized every week, every Thursday night, go with his wife, later on with his kids. And he was good for a $120, um, you know, ticket, if you will, or check, if you will, some hook or crook, 120 bucks every week, hook or crook. Something happened where he hired like a new person and um, uh, a new person. And what happened was um, I had a waiter that was rude to them, like really, really bad. Uh, and got to the point where like the guy was like, hey, like I'm a pretty uh, good customer here. I come over time, blah, blah, blah. And some just, just they did not disconnect. And the guy was horribly rude. Owner happened to be there on his like corner table, and like the guy went, but he went over to him and was like, you know, what's going on? Like I'm here every week for the last like you know five years, and um, your your new guy just a jerk, you know. And the owner, whatever reason, I think it was his nephew or family member, kind of sided on the side of the waiter, and essentially what happened was he went with the waiter. The guy never came back. And I happened to go in. The guy was like, oh, I'm a little slow. And I'm like, what's going on? I said, I found out what happened. I said, well, you didn't lose $120 dinner. I said, you lost about $20,000. He goes, what do you mean? I said, how long have you been in business for? Well, I've been in business 10 years. I said, how long, how long has this guy been coming in? About you know, 10 years. And I said, well, he's spending about six grand a year for, you know, for 10 years. 
And that's at least 60,000. But let's, let's, let's call it for the last two and a half years, he's going to come in more or two and a half years that are coming. That's, you know, five, eight to $10,000 you lost in future revenue. So then he got it. He goes, well, wait a second. I need to up my service and always at least not always side with the customer, but at least keep them happy. Right. So, so very important. Let's talk about SEO and digital marketing, because that's something that a lot of people may not know how to do very well. Of course, there are agencies like yours that do help customers or clients with this. What are some of the secrets to to ranking highly and making your online presence boom? Uh, get backlinks is one of the kind of the um the key areas. Uh, so just like, for example, I met you, you're a great guy. I met you through a third party. He's a great guy. I trust him. I trust you. I recommend Kevin, I'm uh, sorry, Brian. Uh, and uh, this person recommends Tom. So we connect. So that's a trust factor, kind of an old school thing. Google works the same way. If you have a website and it's, it's links from Yahoo Finance and for Business Insider, New York Times, New York Post, whatever magazine you like, uh, and it links to my website, but doesn't link to yours, and I'm an expert in pottery, you're an expert in pottery, Google's going to say, wait a second, this guy has a lot of links about pottery from authority sites. I'm going to go ahead and put Tom's sites a little higher than Brian's. So that's kind of uh, uh, what I recommend is building authority through backlinks from reputable sites. For example, yeah. So how do you know which keywords to use because that's probably one of the most challenging parts is figuring out what's going to rank and how much are you willing to pay for the really good keywords, right? Don't get caught up on keywords uh, at the moment. What's focusing on building great content that is readable with those keywords. In the past, you wanted to rank for the best bakery for scones in you know Westfield, New Jersey, right? Or whatever that is. And he wrote it like a robot to come up for that. Google picks up on that now. Now you just want to write, hey, we have the best scones in Westfield, New Jersey. Here's how we make them. Here's our process. Here's the reviews. Here's how you can get them. Check them out now. And you write a good, honest, uh, well-thought-out article will surely be an SEO-optimized article any given time. So they got away from more keywords, and they got closer to readability. How often should someone write articles and content for their site? Depending on the site. So if you're obviously a local business, um, you know, local business and you're, you know, transactional, right? Again, you're a bakery and, you know, but you want it, you know, high-end bakery and you want to get SEO because you want to get, you know, wedding cakes and, 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 you know, maybe uh, post-funeral like stuff, desserts and that kind of stuff, which could be, which could be very big money for your, your, your bakery. Um, you probably want to write, you know, two or three a month. Mm-hmm. If you're, in, uh, you're, they call it your money or your life, like a plastic surgeon or dermatologist where give me your money or you're going to have a bad result. That's what they call it. It's called your money or your life. You're going to want to probably uh, uh, release an article once a week on site. Mm-hmm. You're going to probably want to release a few articles once a week off site at the bare minimum. That's fantastic. So how can we use digital media to dominate our competition? Own the three types of media, owned, earned, and paid. Owned media is what you create, even though it's not on your platform. Create that YouTube channel. Create that podcast. Post every day on Instagram. Have fun on TikTok. 
be on Twitter. So just create a whole bunch of content in your space. Even if nobody's listening, keep pushing it, being consistent, and it will come up. Uh, the second is um, earn media. Try to do some press. You don't need a big publicist. Contact the local patch. Contact the local uh, magazines in your area. Um, they're in need for content, so they might want to cover your story or ask to contribute. Lastly, paid media. People, Some people think to this day, and it's so weird, is that advertising is dirty or advertising is bad or it's a badge of honor. I don't need to advertise. No, you need to advertise your business because even if it's going well, Noah built the ark when it was sunny. You need to do spend money on ads when things are going well. Why? To keep a steady flow of business so you do not get slow. And you take smart ads. You do some social media ads, some Google PPC, maybe some geofencing, which we could chat about. Mm-hmm. And these are the type of things that you do to keep your business uh, afloat. Remember, Noah built the ark when it was sunny, not when it was raining. Are radio and TV ads still effective? They are, but I like targeted. Uh, if you're familiar with OTT, uh, Brian? Uh, no. So OTT is uh, a lot of a lot of folks. Uh, I I did, but then I went back to cable. But a lot of folks uh, cut the cord. So whether it's Hulu or Roku or Amazon Fire Stick, a, a lot of people, I think as high as like 35% of folks, just rely on uh, OTT, which is uh, over the top, which has nothing to do with cable. Mm-hmm. If they have apps, they have their CBS app, they have their Fox app, they have their CNN app, whatever that is. So they just go for their apps, and you're able to advertise on those apps via OTT. What they do is they look where you type in on Google or where you visit, and because you visited maybe the store or type this keyword in your Google, the ads show up custom for you on your TV without you knowing it. It's called OTT or over-the-top television. Wow, I love that. Do you have a favorite client story? We've got about two minutes to our final break. So we we had a, a surgeon. So interesting enough is... He does plastic surgery only in men, which is kind of semi-common nowadays. But 10 years ago, it only made up for about 4% of the market. Now it makes up for 10. So while everybody was kind of going right, he went left. Uh, instead of going to the red market, he went to the blue ocean. And uh, we did a very strong OTT billboard campaign when he opened up in Chicago. So versus maybe taking eight months to get busy or eight months to see clients and really get home in, we truncated that to about nine months. And now he has striving practices wow that's absolutely fantastic but yeah several years ago you didn't think about men getting plastic surgery i mean now you see botox commercials on tv and men are getting it women are getting it and yeah it's pretty crazy we are coming up against agency our agency was the one who 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 started that advertising (laughs) we had no clue what we were doing we threw a lot of spaghetti against the wall so whenever you see kind of ads geared towards men for plastic surgery, we were kind of like the first to ever, ever do it. That's fantastic. We're coming up against our final break. I can't believe how quickly this is going. My very special guest is Tom Lavecchia. We are talking about all things marketing, and he has a marketing agency, and we will talk more when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will be right back. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. With the newness of spring, it may be time to change up your workout. It's always a good idea to cross-train, but there are also times that you need to change the way you work out. If you've been doing the same thing in your exercise for a while, and your results have seemed to stall, it's time to change things up. Making little adjustments can add up to big gains. If you lift light or moderate weight, why not lift heavier weights with less repetitions? Shock your body and get the results you are after. If your daily walk is not giving you the outcome that you desire, try doing cardio intervals. Walk for three minutes, then run for one minute. Repeat this sequence until you've completed at least 30 minutes. The calorie burn is much higher, and it's good for your body and mind to change up your workout. I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. And we're back. Down the stretch we come. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Tom Levecchia, and we are talking about all things marketing. And if you've been listening to the commercials in between our segments, you know that I help people write their books. And if this is something that's on your bucket list for this year, please let me know, and I'd be glad to talk to you. You can go to callwithbrian.com and set up a time to talk to me, and we'll just have a conversation about what that might look like and if it's a great fit for both of us callwithbrian.com. Love to talk to you about your book if that's something you've been thinking about. So Tom, let's talk about geofencing. You referenced this a little bit ago. This is a way for people to market in a very specific local area, right? Absolutely. So you can specifically target a specified geography or as much as small as an actual location store or an address. And you can geofence it. So if somebody enters that fence, you can target them based off a certain criteria. I've I've seen marketing strategies where y- y- if you are within a certain, I don't know, 300 yard, 200 yard space, you get an ad on your phone for whatever that is. That might work out really well for a local brick and mortar kind of business. Is that one of the things you do or are you targeting zip codes in, in digital marketing? Oh no, we're, we're doing actual buildings. So it's not just simple as uh, uh, doing a zip code. See, zip code marketing you can do on social, right? Yeah. Zip code marketing you can do on PPC. I'm talking at, I, I am a dog groomer. I'm going after pet stores and other dog groomers. So when I walk in, I hit them with my ad and maybe with a bounce back voucher or coupon to come to my store. It's great for retail and I can go after your actual competition. That's Awesome. I, I love that. The, the idea of being able to hijack your competition is very, very attractive. Are 
are those campaigns really successful for you? They are, but there's but my opinion because they are because it's not it's not expensive, but it's not inexpensive. I like it as a secondary campaign and measure. You know, I mm-hmm. like paid ads like a Google PPC as a primary. I like mm-hmm. SEO, organic, uh, across the board, organic social, organic uh, SEO on Google. I like that as a primary. Um, so I like uh, Google, uh, sorry, geofencing as a secondary. But if you just do that and nothing else, um, it's a little too transactional. You don't build a lot of brand equity versus if somebody follows you, let's say, on Instagram, they like your brand, they buy into your brand, they can become advocates of your brand, and then have been you know, customers and then advocates and you have more of a multiplier effect where geofencing is great, but just a little more transactional. So I do love it, but more as a secondary opportunity. I love that. You talked about billboard marketing a little bit ago, but we didn't dive very deep into it. So how do you know if that is right for your business? Well, why don't you join them up? We do maybe um, billboard marketing, but geofence that area. So not only are you driving by, uh, and seeing a billboard, but now you can attack them on their phone. Attacks may not the right word, but maybe target them on their phone. Uh, and then, you know, not every single person that drives by the billboard or get a geofence, you maybe just go after a certain criteria and build an audience or a lookalike audience and go after those same people that look at the sign, but that are also interested in your product. So you can marry geofencing up with, uh, up with um, even OTT as well as billboard and geofencing. So one thing about advertising that I'm sure comes up when you were talking to a potential client, this isn't necessarily a quick play, right? Because people need to see multiple impressions. This is not an instant gratification strategy most of the time because, right? Because if, if someone doesn't know you at all, it takes a while to go from zero to, I think I know you a little bit. To, I think I'll consider you to, yes, I absolutely will hire you. That trip can take a while, right? Uh, yes and no, because um, if you are doing strong SEO and you're having you know, a geofencing SEO piece as your primary and it's pretty robust, so by the time they get to you, if they read it, you ask them, hey, did you read uh, the article I sent you on inbound when you put your lead in? And then did you also read the page? Yes. And then qualify them. How well do you know geofencing? Do you believe you believe in it as a medium? I kind of want to understand it. That's why I'm calling. Great. So I go through everything. You have a full understanding. Yes. You see it as a valuable tool. Yes. Great. Why don't we start a campaign? Our recommended amount is 100,000 impressions for $1,000. The 30-day campaign. We're able to measure the results on people that actually visit uh, you in your clinic or visit you in your office or visit you in your store. Uh, let's get started right away. Fantastic. So let's talk about press releases. When is it a good idea to do them? Two times. One, when you're launching, and anytime when you're looking to uh, do anything new in, your, new in your business to gain further awareness. I love that. So let's say if someone has done a press release and, and 200 publications picked up on them and no one responds, is that a dead campaign or is it possible to follow up with all the publications that picked you up? How does that work in your world? Well, so when you set up a press release, there's different kinds. It's kind of a web-based one. It's more of awareness. You can do like access wire, which I really like for bigger ones. Um, generally, the smaller ones are more awareness, but the bigger ones, you actually get some pickups in, in reputable magazines, which you get backlinks. 
and then also you generally tend to get some awareness out of it. It is not a sales tool. It's an awareness tool. Got it. That's important. It's not a sales tool. It's an awareness tool. So let me ask you this. I'm sure people come to you with all different sizes and types of budgets. So let's talk about if someone, first of all, has a relatively small budget, what does that marketing playbook look like? Just so it's a time or money proposition. If you don't have the money, you better commit the time. And then from there, have congruency. So if you're pretty good with social and have a good narrative, go on the platforms that work best for you and then make the most sense for you. If you're outgoing, you're extroverted, try Instagram. If you're cheeky, try Twitter or X. Uh, uh, TikTok, if you, you don't want to have a little fun with it, right? To get, to get a younger demographic. So if you don't have the uh, money, make sure you have the time because it's going to need one or the other to get the message out. Okay. And if you have a bigger budget, what does that playbook look like? A hybrid. So you want to control some of the narrative. So you do some of the own media yourself and the filming yourself. Obviously, hire an agency to help you film and storyboard. Uh, and then use paid ads to bring in money to help support the campaign. Absolutely. Let's talk about YouTube for a little bit because that's also one of the strategies that you like to use. Love Are we talking about paid ads on YouTube? Is is that how you help people or do you help people build out YouTube channels? Both. Uh, if you were looking for an organic program, uh, you'd build out a YouTube channel based off content first on media and go organically. But then you, one of the secrets, not a secret, but what people don't do is as much as they create the content on YouTube, but then you could boost that content. So the content's already done. It's as simple as boosting. And YouTube views are categorically much, much less expensive than pay-per-click and sometimes more engaged. So, so you can get your dollar to stretch farther when you're willing to make the content on YouTube. And then by boosting it, it can be as much as 80% less as the competition spending on Google PPC. That's absolutely fantastic. Do you have a favorite YouTube client? Myself, I uh, have a, a podcast called New Theory Podcast, and uh, we built it up to about 44,000 subs. Aside from that, we work with uh, D. Snyder of Twisted Sister. We also manage his channel as well. He hasn't That's been doing cool. it much lately, but nevertheless, still pretty good. How did you meet him? Uh, through a friend who came as a referral. He's been a client with us for about five years. I love that. So you have a magazine too, is that right? Yeah, so I got two. New Jersey Digest, which is uh, local to New Jersey, but it's about lifestyle. So even if you're not from New Jersey, we just recently found out that as much as 40% of our audience at any given time on the website is not from New Jersey. We find out through people either from New Jersey that live other places or interested in those evergreen topics. And then I have New Theory Magazine and Podcast, which is a little more nationally based. And there I do interviews as well as articles on newtheory.com. I love that. So what has surprised you the most about entrepreneurship? That um, it doesn't turn off. Uh, my wife today is fantastic. She's so supportive. Um, I had, did have to work today. And she's like, are you working today? And I just laughed. I'm like, when do I not work? Um, right. But I'm finding out that was like, I don't, I don't know if I... I'll be transparent. I don't know if I put it, I don't put 50 hours a week in. I'm not that guy uh, or gal, right? Uh, but I probably put in like 35, but I probably put five hours a day or seven hours a day, Monday through Friday, but three or four on Saturday and three on Sunday, you know? So like, I don't 
like I'm not that like uber charged work 12 hours a day, but I do work a lot in terms of days. I never take a day off. So you'll find me on doing emails at, you know, Saturday night at 11 p.m. or Sunday morning at 8 a.m. It's just it's just the nature of the beast. I'm adaptive to our customers needs. Um, so the one thing that surprised me is that you cannot structure like a corporate job and shut down at Friday, on, on Friday. You'll just lose your competitive advantage. Absolutely. And you tend to get a lot done. So what are some of your favorite productivity tips? Um, I like to work when nobody else is working for two reasons. One, that's when you can win. Um, you can maybe find somebody and engage somebody. Uh, if you email them, they tend to check their email on break and versus your competition is probably off at the beach. Um, and then I like to shut everything down by six o'clock on Sunday or seven o'clock on Sunday and plan for the week, just plan for the week so we can get everything done. I love that. We've got about two minutes until the end. So who inspires and motivates you? Right now, my family, I just look at them and I want to succeed for them. I want them to have everything. I'm just materialistic, uh, materialistically. I just want them to be able to be, want them to, you know, my three-year-old to go to school full-time versus maybe half-time. My son, when, you know, he goes to school, uh, we want him possibly to do a private if we can. I just want them to have every opportunity possible to succeed. And that's what I super care about. Fantastic. And so how do we find you? How do we try with you and vibe with you? Absolutely. So uh, our website uh, for our uh, company is uh, The X Factor Team, X Factor Media, TheXFactorTeam.com. My name is Tom Lavecchia. You can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Just look for Tom Lavecchia, uh, L-A-V-E-C-C-H-A. And then lastly, New Theory Podcast is kind of my baby. So check that out. And I had some great guests and hope you guys will check it out. Fantastic. Any final thoughts as we close out? Well, like I said, just remember, Noah built the arc when it's sunny. So when things are going well, that's when you should engage your marketer and that's when you should double down on sales. Fantastic. Tom, thank you so much for being here. It was an honor and a privilege to have you join us today. The honor was mine, Brian, and have a fantastic night. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Please join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. Until next week, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Have a great week. part of success profiles radio with your host brian k wright each week we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life we'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds including expertise in leadership business relationships careers networking health overcoming adversity and much more for more on brian and the show check out his website briankwright.com If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.